Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Dallas, Texas, it's the Yankee Cowboy Podcast with your host, Tim Wilkins, where he talks all things pro wrestling and sports. Let's go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Wilkins. Again, appreciate the kind introduction by my good friend. It's an amazing opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, in the world of professional wrestling, where we get to watch a stinker, which is now the consideration of AEW Dynamite, again, for another weekly edition of Stupidity in the World of Professional Wrestling. I'm just going to laugh my ass off on this one, ladies and gentlemen, and just strike it up to being a terrible, ungodly show. It, it made professional wrestling uh, look really just at an all-time level of just I have never seen before. However, what I do want to talk about today, however, is the distinction that we're going to talk about here is the – the bottom, it, literally, this show from start to finish was might might have been probably the worst professional wrestling show I've seen in probably about 25. I'm 31, 32 years old, probably about 20 years of existence. It it is just couldn't have been worse. Not sure why the events which transpired transpired, but I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that it was a phenomenal piece of garbage television on the level of Jerry Springer stupidity, if you can do that. That being said, I'm going to kick it off into what we need to talk about, because really, uh, I will just say this. I have never seen, like I told you guys in the beginning of this show, I've never seen this kind of worse professional wrestling of, of just from start to scratch, just this 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 shows it right here. Tony Khan, whatever happened at the shoot the end of this, you take the biggest hyped up match of all time in the promotion's history between John Moxley and CM Punk. CM Punk is the draw, the money is the icon, the headliner, the main event, as they say, has drawn millions of dollars in every promotion's ever walked into. And you bury him in six minutes on national television. Not on a pay-per-view or a premium live event for you WWE fans out there. But on TNT or TBS, sorry, because I forgot now. It's uh, but we're so let's let's get into the review here, shall we? We have so much to talk about. I appreciate you coming in and sitting down or listening in your cars, wherever you might be listening to, to take a look at this. Terrible abomination of professional wrestling, which, by the way, right now the news article, this the news just came out and broke today that they still have not sold out all out in Chicago. Also, over the weekend, it came out, a new story came out that FTR has been removed from the AEW video game. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, AEW is crumbling. It is the house of cards. It just keeps on falling. But... The House of Cards at the tippity top of the House of Cards is definitely Tony Khan because this man cannot book to save his life, shall we? Let's go into the nut, uh, the cheese on the cracker of the show, shall we? The show opens up live from Cleveland, Ohio. JR is on the hot shot open, which thank God for JR and the hot shot open because at least I get to live at least one ounce of my childhood back. 
Then we go, the, the show opens up with Chris Jericho opening up the show. And I, I have to say, he comes out to Judas. And Jericho tries to help good old Daniel Garcia through this. And then Daniel Brian Danielson comes out, which uh, they've been teasing this match at All Out for quite some time now. So that being said, they do a promo back and forth between the American Dragon versus the Lionheart, Chris Jericho at All Out. And, you know, but two, two professional wrestlers that have worked for WWE can land a good promo to sell a match. The guy that they have just buried on national television is the guy that could not do the promo, which is Daniel Garcia. How in the hell does that help an underneath talent when you get outshadowed by two guys that can work? It makes no damn sense. It makes no sense. I appreciate the opportunity for to watch Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho put on a barn burner of a match that potentially could be at all out. But you buried one of your underneath talents that was getting pushed immensely by Tony Khan for no reason. So you buried one of your talents for no reason. Again, just typical not having a wherewithal or not having a clue on how to book. It is baffling to me on how that works. And, and there's no other way to put it. It really isn't. But I will say this, ladies and gentlemen. The next match gives me hope of all things holy in this world for professional wrestling once again. When I got to watch Dax Harwood versus Jay Lethal, which, by the way, was for sure the match of the night alongside another match I will talk about later. As well, which gave me a hope and a, a glimmer of hope for professional wrestling moving forward in the women's division. This match on unlikelihood here, obviously it's the opening wrestling contest of the show. They could have opened up this the show with these two right here. Jay Lethal and Dax Harwood, and they would have got a better rating than that crazy-ass segment that we just watched with Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. For people to think for one second that that was going to draw a rating at the top of the hour is beyond comprehensionally understanding it. So let's go into the match. Jay Lethal versus Dax Harwood. It is a classic wrestling contest. No other shapes to, no other words to describe it. No other meaningful way to do it. It was phenomenal. Amazing match. Uh, as a fan of both guys, by the way, uh, I've seen Jay Lethal when I was about see 10 or 11 years old so about 20 years ago in connecticut on an indie show i saw him work with slick wagner brown we're talking about names of professional wrestling uh at connecticut championship wrestling and i was inspired by watching some of his work and obviously he was working new jersey pro wrestling he was working some really uh northeastern independence and jay lethal was really coming into his own that was just before he got booked at tna but he was definitely a talent to watch uh, both men put on a very, very, very great display of athleticism and a great just psychology. Every chop was felt by every single person in that room. 
because heck, even I heard that on national television. The speakers were at normal volume, and that sucker was loud. So, also, they did a little inter-match contest, as you would say, in the world of professional wrestling. It was the sharpshooter versus the figure four. And they did a beautiful job. A lot of hope spots, a lot of back and forth. It was phenomenal. Not to steal AJ Styles' quota there, but just an amazing contest that deserves every opportunity in the world to discuss. And it was just great. Uh, Jay Lethal wins in a, uh, not really a DQ finish or a interference finish, but it was enough to, to hype up their next show, which would be at All Out, which would be Wardlow and FTR versus, which they did hype this up when the announcement came through. It is the Motor, Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal, which, by the way, Great tag team as well, the Motor City Machine Guns. That's going to be a barn burner to watch when we do get to watch that. Um, so, after that match kind of simmers down a bit, there's a Tony Schiavone segment with Thunder Rosa is announcing that she has to relinquish, or she's injured and she has to relinquish the title. Not really relinquish it, but there's going to be a, a, an interim women's champion decided and it's a fatal four-way for the title. That being said, I really can't hate on the fatal four-way booking. I can, however, hate on the decision to do it. And I think, overall, that it, it could have been a lot better. And... The fact of the matter is, it they dropped the ball there. And they could have done a lot better. So, I just think that explanation of an injury on Dark, which, okay, let's talk about this. Why would you have your women's champion on a TV show that is on YouTube exclusively Working against underneath talent. What in the are you thinking? That is a terrible, terrible booking decision by Tony Khan. If the injury is legitimate, there's been speculation that the injury is not legitimate and that there's some backstage issues going on with Thunder Rosa as well with, with the women booking. And Listen, that could very well be the truth. But um, I'm just disappointed with that decision as well. This as much as I'm disappointed in the next match, which really just why is this on national television is my question that I asked myself when I watched this. It was Billy Gunn versus Colton Gunn. And as much as I really appreciate what Billy Gunn's trying to do to put his kids over in the business and work with his kids in the business and do the right things, I'm really confused on why this happened the way it happened, right? 
it was a very short match. And then it went into a angle where the Acclaim came out and did a promo or a rap, as you want to call it. And there was an interference spot by Stokely, which gave Colton Gunn the win. Very unimpressive situation here in the middle of the show. We're not even at the top of the hour. And just all uninspired wrestling. That's a nice way of putting it. There is another situation that it was a face-to-face promo with Tony Schiavone and Death Triangle and Osprey and the, what do you want to call it, the, the Empire. Very weak promo by both guys. Osprey, which, by the way, I will talk about Will Osprey when we get to this main event of the show, which, by the way, is actually the trio's uh, semifinals. And, I'm sorry, it's the quarterfinals, sorry. I'll talk about Will Ospreay when we get there, because I have some serious views on this, and, and it's really important to discuss that, because... I think it's worthy to talk about. The next match, which I believe is the second best match of the card, is Britt Baker, DMD, versus Kylan King. If you watch these two performers in their ring attire, obviously Britt Baker is from Pittsburgh, or Britsburg, if you want to call it for all gimmicks sake. She's wearing the black and yellow. King is wearing the Cleveland Brown colors. So that was a pretty cool subtle reference to both cities and an homage to both cities. Um, to me, with Baker in the ring with King, we didn't get to see the athleticism by with that King possesses in that match, and it wasn't really an athletic contest. It was really one-sided. So, that's kind of where I thought about it. Uh, King definitely has a future in this business based on her athleticism. And, and I, I just think that, I, I don't know if Britt Baker is the best athletic opponent for her to show off that, that athleticism. But there's only one way to tell, and that's time. And unfortunately, Tony Khan's running out of time. Because old Gramps Trips is coming to town. We'll talk about my opinions on that in a minute. I will say that the match with Britt Baker and, and Kylan King, it was very clunky. There wasn't a very, there wasn't many transitions to, to certain parts of the match. There was, it was very, it reminded, it's very much like a Britt Baker match, clunky at best. And even though I say that it's the second best match of the night, that says something for what I'm seeing on TV from AEW, and that's scary. After the match is over, there is a, another angle with the three other opponents of the Fatal 4-Way match for the interim title come out, which basically just puts Kylan King at a disadvantage of exposure and buries her and saying basically that match didn't mean anything. All it was was used to show an angle between three other opponents and Britt Baker to get over this Fatal 4-Way, which wasn't really the intention. It was to show that 
Kylan King, who had a really great match the week prior, has an opportunity to go against Britt Baker and give this up-and-coming star an opportunity. Instead, you bury the up-and-coming star for something that you can seriously put over next week. Um, then there's another promo, which is a very, by the, by the way, AEW still is at the two-segment promo, promo, match, promo, segment, promo, promo, match type format, which still sucks, by the way. I, I just don't get why they do it this way. But in the next segment, which is another Tony Schiavone segment, the acclaimed is standing, and then it's they're talking to Swerve Strickland, and Keith Lee, who are the AEW Tag Champions, which, why, is beyond comprehension. Because, oh, I know why, because the Young Bucks didn't want to put over FTR. Stupid. So, so that match, the Acclaimed and Swerve Strickland are actually get announced for All Out for the tag belts, which is cool. I think FTR would do well with either one of those tag teams in a 15 to 20 minute match and be done. That's just what it is. Unfortunately, we get to the part of the show which hurts my soul to talk about. And it is at this point of the show where I personally believe that we are seeing the burial and the death of AEW right before our very eyes. I'm not trying to be a shock jock. I'm trying to tell it how it is here. JR is the voice of professional wrestling in my era and eras before me. And he was telling the story of this feud, of this hype train that didn't really exist, but it was obviously well-documented that this is the most anticipated contest in professional wrestling at this moment. And his excitement in his voice told us that. The match itself let us down deeply. There is no doubt in my mind that this is either in retaliation or regurgitation depending on how you want to talk about this, based on CM Punk doing that promo the week prior and going into business for himself against Hangman Adam Page, which is one of the boys of the Bucks. Or, it I doubt it's a legitimate injury. And the reason why I bring this up to all the wrestling fans out there, okay, I know they were filming it as an injury, but if you watch that match, back you back, 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 back it up. You can replay it again and watch it. He holds the wrong foot when he sells it. He hits him, leg slap kick. They want to call it a head kick. It's a slap kick. Let's be real. I hate that crap. Slap kick to the head, which, by the way, Punk is never wear kick pads unless the situation means that he's actually be kicking a lot. He's not one of those guys that wears a lot of kick pads like he used to back when he was on the Indies. Yeah, I haven't seen him wear kick pads in probably 10 years. So, 
But the kick that he hit Moxley with, he sells the wrong foot. That tells me everything I need to know. Why are we seeing this on, on, on what we're seeing? Why are we seeing it? Beats me. But I have some stip- uh, speculations on it. Punk's got some some serious heat backstage for that segment that he did it with, with Hangman. But there's some serious things going on with him and Cole Cabana from that lawsuit after the podcast he went on. There's a lot of things here, guys, that we are not seeing nor will we probably ever find out unless it starts leaking out of the AW locker room. The AW locker room, however, has been talking a lot more to the press as of late, and that's how we're finding out some of these stories about the Colt Cabana, the the you know the Hangman Adam Page heat. We're talking, we're learning that because of leaks to Meltzer and Uncle Dave Meltzer, as we call him. Um. But seriously, uh, that match alone is like burying or start digging a eight-foot deep trench for professional wrestling for AEW. It's over. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Road Dog Jesse James has got AEW rocked mentally, just rocked at its core. And it just... If you had a quality booking for some of these stars, there wouldn't be any doubt in my mind how much money these guys can make, how much this company can make. But just terrible booking. Terrible booking, including this match, which could have went 25 minutes. If, you, if you're going to put this back on pay-per-view, which, by the way, why the hell was this match on national television? Oh, I know why. Because they're scared. AEW... You needed to pull a number, which, by the way, the ratings have come out for this. They drew a 1.049 rating, which is up 10%. 10%. From the week prior. They're still down. They're still averaging a 0.9 rating. But yet Raw and SmackDown are drawing every bit of 2 to 3 million people. I will say that the the next segment really shows the lack of ambition and use of great booking when you watch this again. Because you see Ricky Starks comes out and Tony Schiavone's out there in the ring and he cuts a very emotional promo. And I, I, I really am surprised that Ricky Starks isn't the TNT champion. Obviously, I understand the belt. There are some people in this industry that need the title to push them for the push. There are some people that the belt helps and some doesn't. But Ricky Starks, in my opinion, can elevate a whole roster based on his promo ability and some of the in-ring work that he's done back when he was at WWE and now. He's a phenomenal promo. I'm looking forward to seeing what him and and, and Powerhouse do, um, which I think there are going to be some serious 
it's going to be a decent match. I, I think give them about 10, 12 minutes at the pay-per-view and let them do their thing and let them go over. You know? Do a good thing. The, the main event is Death Triangle of Pac, Penta, and Ray Phoenix versus the United Empire. And before I go into this match and review this match, I'm going to say in the most easiest of sayings, it's a spot fest, ladies and gentlemen. One trampoline spot after another. How many slap kicks? Hell, you play a drinking game for how many slap kicks, you heard? Will Ospreay, or actually I should say how many hand how many handsprings and, and and counters to everything. To me, it is a spot fest. That was that main event. Will Ospreay has some serious talent. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's his accent or what, but there's a deep disconnect with the fan base and his in-ring ability. Like, their in-ring ability is super high, but the fan impressions, very low. There was a meme, which, by the way, Kevin Nash, by the way, if you have not had a chance to listen to a great podcast, listen to Kevin Nash. Click this. Very great, humble, good man. Has gone through some serious crap in his business, in the business with with, with Scott Hall and, and as the NWO, but probably one of the better wrestlers of our generation in our lifetime. Um, but he asked on Twitter, "What's your merchandise sales to Will Osprey?" And Will Osprey responded back saying, "About the same as your quad tears," which that was a dig, but I got the point. Will Ospreay has the talent of a generation, just like they say about Kenny Omega. The difference between being a six-figure earner and being a seven-figure earner in this business is your ability to connect to the fans. And I'm sorry to say this, but Will Ospreay does not connect to the fan base. He, his moveset and his in-ring work do. But let me tell you something. When you're not 22 years old, and you can't do all that spot fest shit, back spring, hand spring, arm drag, take down, back up, kick up, down, plosh a spot. All that, you, I can list them off in a row if I want. If you cannot perform those moves, then you're not remembered, right? Less is more in this business sometimes. Not with him, though. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, this is a I'll give I'll give this entire show a thumbs down. Even the ending. Okay, we had a Kip Sabian. Was it Kip Sabian? Yeah, it was Kip Sabian at the end wearing a paper bag, and he interferes and messes with Pac. And what the fuck? Literally. Why is we having an afterbirth with a match that's already gimmicked? It's a six-man tag. How much more gimmick do you need? But apparently Tony Khan has ADHD when it comes to matches and wants to put all that in. You got time. The show's not getting canceled anytime soon. At least we don't know. So slow it down. 
Tell the story. I will say the the comic of the leaf relief of the moment of the night was seeing a huge Jim Cornette head hat shirt by one of the audience members on the like, on the ramp. It made me laugh every time I saw it. It was great. So what I'm getting at, ladies and gentlemen, on this episode of AEW and reviewing it and kind of talking about it in the world of professional wrestling is we expect better as fans. Now, what is exactly better? Better storylines. It's not so much the move set. The moves are what they are. That shows athleticism, right? But doing it in a point where we actually feel vested into the product. And I'm sorry to say this, but since MJF and CM Punk with the dog collar match, no one's been invested in the product. Nobody. Brian Danielson, great wrestler, phenomenal in-ring talent. But you can tell he's just there for the money. William Regal, I'll tell you right now, this is another thing. I would not be surprised that after... Whatever contract William Regal signed with AEW, that he returns to WWE after Triple H is taken over. Because you know damn well Triple H will give him a job. Intellectual mind, very good, brilliant guy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an, an abomination of the professional wrestling industry to watch a guy like this and have all that money and piss it down the toilet with this crappy of booking. I feel bad for the athletes. I feel bad for what could have been for the fans, too. We're going to continually see this. We're going – we have the going-home show on AEW Dynamite this coming Wednesday. Monday Night Raw tonight It's supposed to be great. Cash, Clash of the Castles coming around this week. It's going to be a good time. Wrestling's in good hands when it comes to the WWE. Not so much on the AEW. And believe me when I say this, you can you can you accuse me all you want to of being a fan of one or the other. I'm actually a fan of professional wrestling for what it is, by the way. I do watch NWA Power Hour. I do watch a lot of different wrestling. So and even Impact, which by the way, I got the chance to watch live on two TV tapings this past weekend when they're here in Dallas, Texas. It it's it's wrestling. I will say as well, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be inside your car radios, inside your computer speakers, your headphones, wherever, the, however you may listen to this podcast. I give you, I appreciate the opportunity, as always, to speak to you guys and and women and ladies as well. But feel free to uh, like us on social media, follow us on social media. Heck, even drop me a line on social media and continue the conversation of professional wrestling. Also, when you're on Twitter, have some fun. Don't take it too serious. It's just wrestling Twitter. Oh, and by the way, um, we're going to play a game next week of where, oh, where is Don Stevens? That being said, ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and privilege to speak to you guys at the end. We're going to be talking later on tonight. With another great episode as well with a good co-host of mine, Chris, who will be joining us talking about a really important topic in sports as well and in politics. We're having one of those episodes as well. So I appreciate the opportunity to be inside your earbuds. This is Tim Wilkins signing off. Thank you. Have a great night.
thank you for listening to this episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to join us on social media to continue these great conversations and more.